friends, we've been going through a series called Thrive, and it's, we've been looking at how, as believers, we can live well, how we can thrive and be fruitful for God. Today, we're going to look, God sets into place on earth. But before that, we have to acknowledge that as children of the kingdom of heaven, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the, the, the kingdom of God is ruled by God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is what creates divine order. It brings order. It brings divine order to a person's life. And within that order, it enables God's blessing to be released. Peace, joy, contentment to the depths of our soul. That's how I'm terming blessing. That God is able, through his wisdom, at work in our lives, creating order, we are able as his children to walk in his blessing. And so when we look around us, there's a lot of uh, self-determination going on in our society. And through self-determination, society has largely, and is even more so now, ignoring um, and devaluing the wisdom of God. Society's dismantling biblical values and definitions that God has given us and traded a relative truth where each person is able to interpret truth for themselves and find their own truth. And what constitutes sin, what constitutes Gender, male, female, marriage, we see that no longer is society looking at these as defined concepts that God has given us, defined wisdom. Society now is actually putting these concepts under construction. <laughs> and there's a construction sign over all of these things, and so they're just morphing as men and women see fit as to how to define them or how to build. And so it's really, really important, friends, that we come back to the Word of God because self-determination erases all of the boundaries. What I've just been saying, when definitions fall away and boundaries are erased... Chaos and confusion reign. And there's an increase in stress and anxiety in our world because chaos and confusion are reigning. So let's go to the Bible. Let's go to James, chapter 3, if you'll come with me. James speaks about wisdom. I'm reading from the NLT. And the subheading is, True Wisdom Comes from God. Verse 13, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. And then James goes on to list that there is fruit that comes from living in kind of the disorder that the world lives in. But we're going to go down to verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above. So in other words, the wisdom of God himself. It is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, 
gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And so we see there that what James is referring to is this wisdom of God that creates order. It creates divine order in our lives. It brings us health inside. It literally brings health to our spirits. We are born again relationships. And that, friends, is living in the blessing of God. As believers, last week we looked at how the Word of God, the truth of God, governs our lives, and it's unchanging, and it's defined in the Bible, and if we live within the boundaries that God creates, we will enjoy the fullness of the life of Christ that He promises. So friends, there are no hacks, there are no shortcuts. In this day and age, we all want the end result, but we don't want to put in the work all the time. And I have to say there are no hacks and no shortcuts to experiencing the fullness of the blessing of God. And friends, a humility of heart of saying, God, this is your kingdom. This is your wisdom. We surrender to that is what is needed as children of God. And so today, as we look at the government or the authority that God positions on the earth, I'd like us to first of all understand that along with government, we're going to look at authority and we're going to look at power. So first of all, authority is the right to give orders. And it's derived from the status or position held by the person giving those orders. That's authority the right to give orders. Power has to do with capacity. Power has to do with the ability to do something or act in a particular way. And government, friends, involves these two things, authority and power. Now let's go to Colossians 1, verse 13, Nick read it earlier, and that was just so lovely that we're going to just echo it now, because this scripture speaks so wonderfully of who God is. He is supreme in authority, and he has complete ability. There's nothing God cannot do. So let's pick it up in verse 13. That's 1 Colossians, verse 13. Christ is supreme. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him 
God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so we see there, friends, that God in his supreme authority and his complete ability allows you and I at the point of salvation to call on his name, supreme God, and submit ourselves to his authority to surrender to Christ's power, to surrender to Christ's authority and be born again. We submit ourselves to his higher authority. Galatians 2, chapter 20. Sorry, let's say it that the other way around. Galatians 2, verse 20. Oh, uh, you didn't know Galatians had 20 chapters, did you? It says that's how Paul terms it. It's at that point of surrender to God's authority that we are made new, born again, become citizens of heaven. And if you would go, we don't have time now, but if you would go to Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 13, you would see that when we come to Christ and we submit to him and we surrender to his authority, that in becoming a child of God, we actually are given the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is placed within us. And through Christ, you and I, as children of God, as citizens of heaven, are given access to God's wisdom, to God's power, and to God's authority. So we can see that surrender is not a taking away, but a laying down of our will. Friends, surrender doesn't leave us empty. Surrender leaves us full of the life of Christ. So in saying that, let's now look at the government that God has instituted on our earth amongst mankind. God has instituted law. God has instituted rulers and authorities over countries, over cities, law enforcement, law, those who uphold law. Law in itself was instituted by God, primarily for our protection. Now, we can all agree sitting here, it doesn't matter what nation you're from, that human nature is pretty much fantastically messing that up. And law often doesn't work as it should because of human frailty. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, this is what it says. It says, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether as king or head of state or the officials he's appointed. So we know governments are flawed. But the word of God tells us we have no excuse to just throw off the law and become lawless. Could you for just a moment imagine with me removing all of the aspects of law from our lives? Just for a minute. That would be complete and utter chaos. So God is honored through you and I obeying the law, not because 
The people within those positions necessarily have earned or deserve our respect. But the truth is God has instituted rulers and authorities. And when we obey them, it gives him glory. There's no way around that, friends. And so we honor God by honoring the laws of our land. With authority, God actually, when he institutes authority, he gives responsibility. That's how authority works with God. Now, we see mankind loves the authority part, the power part, but the responsibility is where we very often fall short in our human nature. And I want to say today that God is going to call every appointed ruler to account. Isn't that a thought? Those who right now think they are getting away with everything in positions of power will be called to account. And so friends, your job and my job as a child of God is to respect the law and to honor God through living according to the law of our land. We're going to now look at, and that's kind of a macro view of government law. Now we're going to move it a little bit closer to home, and we're going to look at two areas where God actually gives spiritual headship, spiritual leadership. And the one aspect of that where God gives spiritual headship is to husbands, and we're going to look at that. And then the other one is to eldership in the local church. And we're going to look at what does that look like and why does this matter to us? Before we look into those two areas, I feel it's really important, particularly in our day and age, to take a correct view and get a correct context of God's relationship with woman. We live in a society where there's a lot of contention between the sexes. And I would just like us to pause for a moment and to go to Scripture and to see how does God view this? What was his intention? In Genesis, it tells us that God took such great care and delight in creating womankind. I mean, the man he just made out of dust. I don't want to belittle the fact that you guys are amazing, but it was kind of, he had such a special and unique plan in mind. Who would have ever thought? But God didn't do that by accident. He chose to create us how he did. And more than that, friends, he chose to put intrinsic ingredients in us as womankind, and he chose to give mankind other ingredients. And we sometimes have a laugh about how different those ingredients are. But um, if we then would go yeah, and look at Genesis, we see very clearly that through that creation, God created man and woman equal. He was delighted with both of them. He placed great worth on both of them, but they were not equivalent. They were not identical. If we now move to the New Testament, friends, we see Jesus loved and valued woman. 
He had such respect for women that even the prostitutes who he interacted with, he never belittled them. He always respected them. And we see that within the building of the early church in Acts, women played such a key and vital role in that. Throw out a few names and you go and do some homework. We see that Lydia was a businesswoman. She had means, she had resource, and she was used in the early church to establish her work. We see Priscilla was actually a teacher of the word. She would disciple young believers, and she did that with her husband, Aquila. We see Phoebe was a deacon in the local church, so she had leadership on her life, and she was helping build the kingdom of God in the early church. And so I'm saying all of this, friends, to underline the fact that when we look at Scripture, in God's eyes, women are of equal value to men, but we have differing functions. And God did that by intention, on purpose. In the 1960s, feminism arose, and this was a response, generally, we would call it a fight against male dominance. And it is true to say that there are many, 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 many men who do not treat women with the love and the respect, the honor that they deserve to be. But feminism essentially took an aggressive stance on stirring up competition between men and women. And might I say, placing a lot of pressure on women to prove their value, sad part, to prove their value and worth competing against a man. So women now, many in our society, carry the idea that they have to prove their worth and compete against men. When in fact, if we go to scripture, we see that was never meant to be the case. We were never meant to compete. We are made differently, but we are made equal. And God chose to put all of his image into the two sexes. And so, friends, why I talk about feminism is because as church, the society that we live in, the way people think, the way they speak, their attitudes, if we aren't careful and constantly weigh them against the word of God, we can have lies that actually settle into our thinking and into our attitudes. And so, friends, I wanted to say to us, we are not competing. We have such value. Women, you have such value. Men, you have such value. So friends, if we go to Colossians chapter 3, and possibly your Bible or your device, you'd find it because we were there just not so long ago. Institutes government within the family. He apportions husbands the responsibility of being the spiritual head. And if you're unmarried, please stay tuned. Don't want to hear any static out there because this really does affect you. It does affect you. You're a part of a family, and God willing, you will be creating a family in time to come. But in Colossians 3 verse 17, Paul is speaking again about living this new life in Christ as a citizen of heaven. And in verse 3 verse 17, he says, 
that in order to live this new life, there are certain things we need to pay attention to. Verse 17 says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father, through Jesus. So this living well, this living the new life in honor towards God, and actually bringing glory to his name, representing him, we have to say that it's important that we honor the authority that he places within homes. Now, these days, I was sharing at a ladies' conference not so long ago, and we were talking around submission and submitting. And it's a word, it's interesting, because the word submit, for a lot of women, it's a twitchy word. <laughs> they can get quite twitchy and possibly even aggressive in response. And I want to say, let's really understand what God is calling us to be and do here. Because God is creating a relational harmony if we will adhere to his authority and his government. And so, in verse 18 of that scripture we just read, um, wives are called to submit to their husbands. So I read verse 17. Let's carry on. Verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, Always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. So you can see God's instruction to wives, yes. To husbands, yes. To children, yes. We see that we are called to submit, ladies. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, Scripture puts, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a mutual submission of a husband and a wife. And we're going to look at what that means. Wives, this means, now we're carrying on in Ephesians 5, I'm just quickly referencing that. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of a wife. He's the head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. And then this really big responsibility given to husbands to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. So if we come back to the word submission and what that means for us as women, ladies, the best way that we can give a picture or describe that is that we choose to rank ourselves under the authority of our husbands. We choose to position ourselves under the authority that God has given them. This is about positioning within a family. It's not about value. God is not saying a husband is more valuable than a wife. God is saying, wives, position yourself under the authority that I've given your husband, and you'll flourish. Display this picture to you, but my umbrella was so small and puny that when I put it up, I thought it's really not an accurate picture of God's authority, but I needed like a huge golf umbrella. But if you could for a moment imagine 
the husband of the family standing holding a massive umbrella which would represent the authority of God. It's not his authority, it's God's authority that he holds. And if you could then picture as a woman, as a wife, when you are married to that man, to come under the covering of that umbrella is submitting to his authority, his protection, and his provision. Because those are the two responsibilities that God gives to husbands. And so the husband's role is a great one. He's given this authority of God that he needs to uphold and represent. And for us to submit to that is a heart issue, friends. It's not, we do not submit because we are married to perfect men. I love the one sitting here that I'm married to. I love him. But perfect, he is not. And he will very quickly be able to say the same about me. But friends, the reason why we as women honor our husbands and submit to their authority is because God has ordained it. And marriage is about oneness. And in humility, we achieve oneness. Humility is the place where we build oneness. Humility actually provides a meeting place for hearts and minds. Have you ever discovered that? When we're trying so hard to prove our point and so hard to be right and so hard to put our power to work, we find that oneness is broken. And so we all have power, every one of us sitting here. But ladies, how we choose to use that power is really important to God. And I would say, let's aim our personal power, the power that we have, let's aim it behind our husbands and blow wind in his sails rather than aiming it at him and causing a breakdown in oneness. To submit does not mean we silent partners. It doesn't mean that we join into this covenant and then we zip it up for the next 30 years, ladies. If you married to me, you would quickly have learned that there would be no way on earth that was going to be possible. I've got work. But we're not silent partners. But friends, the communication of our thoughts and opinions, one with another, husband and wife, that has to that has to be rooted in honor and respect for it to work. We might need help and intervention, and Nick and I are products of having loving family around us that have taught us ways and means and skills as to how to achieve that oneness. And that's why we do things like the marriage course, because there are certain things that we can learn that help us with that. And friends, of course, when we're talking about submission, that would not call any woman to be subject to abuse in any way. That is not what submission means. And then for those who have unsaved husbands who think, how does this work? Even if my husband doesn't know God, friends, to obey his authority and to respect his authority in your home. Peter 3 says, God can win him over through that behavior. 
And then, friends, we're going to quickly go to our second government or the second authority that God places, and that is one of El. We see that this government or this authority set into place in the early church in Acts, we see that men are tasked with governing the church. And these elders, as we read, are tasked with overseeing and shepherding the body. So again, they have the authority given to them by God, but they have a responsibility. And that is one of overseeing and shepherding. And this function given to them, again, it's not according to their value. It's not because they are of more value than any of the other saints, but it's according to the grace that God has put on their life. It's according to the grace that God apportions them. And so they are called, friends, to account for those that they lead. It's a very sobering thing. The elders in this church, the men are called, they will be called before God, Scripture says, to give account. So they're responsible for provision, which would be sound doctrine and direction. That is their responsibility to provide that to the church. Protection, which would include pastoral care and support. And we see in Timothy and Titus, books in the New Testament that are given to helping these men, these elders, to be shaped and what their qualifications are and how we see who the grace of God is resting on for these positions because God positions elders into local church. God identifies them. So everybody is given spiritual gifts. Romans 12 is very clear about that. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 is very clear about that. Every single one of us, men and women, receive gifts from God, gifts of the Spirit. And they are used to serve one another. But friends, as we bring our gifts in humility, respecting the authority of the elders, we are able then to honor God, honor His authority, and we are able to team effectively. Because when we, as a body, will aim our personal power that we spoke of and choose to come under the authority of the eldership, we then are harnessing the power of the saints and we become effective and God-honoring. Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. And so friends, again, we see that the provision and protection of God is held over a local body through the eldership team. And in conclusion, there's probably so much more that we could say, even looking at these three <laughs> components. But friends, what we can see from Scripture and what God is highlighting for us today is that submission is empowering. Surrender to Jesus and submitting to His authority and the forms of government He institutes in humility. It unlocks God's power. And it activates 
God's blessing. And so in closing, I want to just say that there are definitely things in my life and possibly things in yours today that have set themselves up against the authority of Christ. Sometimes it's hard for us to surrender and to submit to Jesus. Sometimes it's hard for us to surrender and submit to authority in our lives. And that could be due to the fact that we're feeling insecure and possibly we are caught in striving to prove our worth and our value. And when we're caught in that insecurity, we want to move away from authority. We don't want authority in our lives because we're scared, we're fearful. And that fear could be caused from hurts of the past. Truly, there are people in your life and mine that might have abused their position of trust and authority in our lives and hurt us and scarred us. And also, friends, at times we might just be full of pride, independence from God's ways. We think we can just pick and choose. And today God is calling us in humility to come back, surrender afresh, and we're going to give opportunity in a minute, Nick, we'll see to that, that for any of you who perhaps God is highlighting your insecurity or your fear or your pride, and it's holding you back from entering into the fullness of what God has for you. I want to encourage you to deal with that today. Because when you deal, then you can heal to you. <laughs>